This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Oh, up, rock, baby. I love it. It's the Hip Hop Prof here. Guys, listen to me very carefully. Marketing Matters is the name of the show. Here we talk about STPM, segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging. Welcome back to the program. Yes, this is the Hip Hop Prof. America's Reed, uh, a.k.a. the czar of the M.A.R., the Morpheus of marketing, taking that red pill and going down that rabbit hole we call branding. And now we're going to do a special segment. It's been an unbelievable week in Philadelphia. Things are going on in the news that are so absolutely incredible right now. Ladies and germs, Starbucks had this thing happen right here in Philadelphia in a place called a Rittenhouse Square, one of the Starbucks. By the way, there's tens of thousands of Starbucks, right? There are Starbucks inside of Starbucks. Uh, There's so many of these places. Uh, And we're going to talk about what happens uh, when you have a misstep in your marketing, right? What happens when you do everything right? Segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging. You do everything. You build the brand. You create an iconic brand, as soon you talked about, like Starbucks. You create a lifestyle. You make people willing to pay $8 for a cup of coffee, and then something bad happens in the store. We'll talk about that in the broader context of consumer boycotts, which has been kind of a, a very important, critical issue that folks are talking about. If you look at For example, the year so far, so far in brand crises, right? You've got Uber, you've got Subway, you've got United, you've got Facebook, you've got Papa John's, you've got SeaWorld, you've got Pepsi, you've got Crock-Pot, you've got all of these brands that are facing significant challenges, ladies and gentlemen, significant challenges to the equity of the brand. What happens when a brand is under siege, right? I've been in crazy demand this week because of the Starbucks thing and consumer boycotts more generally. I was on a program called uh, Across America with uh, Carol Costello in the AM this morning around uh, 1230 or so. And we had an interesting conversation about boycotts. And one of the things that I mentioned on that show with Carol and colleagues is there is this notion that now everybody with a cell phone, okay, you look in your pocket. I'm going to do a little, little, little thought exercise now. Look inside your pocket. You've probably got this little square thing. It's actually a $700 computer, right? And what this thing is that's in your pocket is a vehicle for you to basically become a journalist. Now, you don't have to go to journalism school anymore. You just have to have this thing in your pocket, and you're a journalist. And more specifically, not only are you going to be a journalist, you can be an instant insta-protester, instant consumer vigilante. Okay, so think about this. Think about this if you're Kevin Johnson, right, CEO of Starbucks, and you're sitting there, and what happens is something goes awry in your store, and within seconds, someone, six six or seven, ten people are pulling out a phone, taking a video of customers, right, young African-American males, customers being arrested in your store for apparently refusing to leave, quote-unquote, trespassing. Right. And being asked to leave because they wouldn't buy something. They were they were waiting for a friend and they wouldn't buy something. So they were asked to leave. Someone seven someone snaps a picture on this phone. Right. And then tweets about it. Right. And so suddenly now you're in this particular situation where now you're you're the CEO. Right. Put you, guys try to put yourself in the shoes here. You're the CEO 
And before you even finish your $7 cup of coffee with that very venerable institution that you work for, that's a little bit of a joke, but you get where I'm coming from. Uh, before you even done with your coffee, this video, this image is being spread, shown. It's going viral. Okay, it's going viral across the nation. What do you do? Right? What are you going to do about it? Seven uh, things that we think about uh, in terms of protecting the brand and really trying to understand like how we can make sure we uh, not compromise the equity. I want to hear what your thoughts are about on this. If you're in Philadelphia or if you're not in Philadelphia, doesn't matter. What do you th- are you going to stop going to Starbucks now? now? Listen to this very carefully. If you're in the position of the CEO and you are getting the message that 100,000 people in the last 10 minutes have shared this video, you've got yourself a big problem. What exactly are you going to do? And so this is the kind of thing that new uh, the, the, the new the new rules of crisis management, because it used to be in the old name. We talked about this in last week's program with Steve Wansink from Braithwaite Communications. He said, listen, things have changed. You could literally before you could literally wait like Tylenol when they were having deaths associated with cyanide in the capsules. People died and they decided they're going to have the press conference next week. You cannot do that now. You have to get out there and make sure that you are getting in front of the story, right? You have to do this. And so think about this if you're the CEO. How long do you wait before you determine that this is a crisis that you have to respond to? How long are you going to wait before your competitors fill that silence and perhaps take advantage of a compromising situation? That you may have found yourself in. So what do you do if you're the CEO? Well, absolutely. I was asked about this, uh, interestingly enough, uh, on one of the interviews that I did earlier today, saying, well, what do you think about the response, Americus? And let me give you my opinion about the response. I absolutely think that what the CEO, Kevin Johnson, is doing uh, is absolutely important. And I would give it an A, actually AA+. Because as we learned, there are three things you have to do. Three things they have to do in a crisis. Number one, validate concerns. Now, be careful because validating concerns does not mean apologizing right away. What struck me very interestingly was how quickly, and again, this is going to be a little bit controversial, but I can say it because I'm a black man. It's very controversial. You know, immediately, boom, race. Race. Here it is. Oh, my God, this is about race. I, that was the very first thing I had heard. And the, the challenge if you're a CEO, is to, to sort all this out. You don't have forever to figure out, is this systematic racism? Is this something else? I didn't even hear about what was the other side. What did the manager say? What was done? What, what, what specifically was quoted? What, what exactly was the context? Suddenly, I just got the message, they're racist jerks at Starbucks, and here's what happened. And so you can ask yourself, is that fair? For Starbucks, is it fair to rush to judgment and say, hey, we, hey, there's a big problem here before you get the facts? I don't know. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. one 844 Are you going to stop going to Starbucks because you think there is systemic racism that's going there with respect to the brand? Uh, let us know. I, I can remind you that what's interesting about this is we do a lot of research here on brand crises. And what's very interesting about this idea is that you know, one of the things that uh, Starbucks did uh, in 2015, 
I don't know if you guys remember this. 2015, there was an initiative called Race Together. And I believe it was under even even under the social media a context. Hashtag Race Together. And the whole idea was let's elevate the conversation. Let's try to get people talking about these very sensitive issues associated with race. And we as Starbucks, and this is probably under Schultz, uh, who was CEO at the time, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was under his watch, basically saying, like, listen, let's elevate, let's elevate this this conversation. And it backfired, and people were very upset because you had baristas handing out $7 cups of coffees with words on them, trying to get this conversation going, and it flopped a little bit. What was interesting about this was that, in my opinion at the time, was like, you know, great idea, perhaps impoverished implementation, right? Because this is not necessarily the way to have the conversation come out in a meaningful context right so but here's so going back to 2015 you've got starbucks wanting to do something about this race issue right and especially in the context of all of the conversation around the number of immigrants that are associated with being employees in the in the in the stores uh and things of that nature so it was very interesting to to, that they have set themselves up to be racially sensitive and so now we're thinking about them as a racially sensitive company we're going to come out and say hey this is an important value to us and so that puts things in an interesting 2017, uh, 2018 context because now we're thinking about all of these issues in a particularly toxic environment, right? So the, the, the culture wars that are going on right now, very, very challenging for brands to make sure they don't misstep because there are polarized groups of consumers who feel very strongly about things, whether it's gun control or other issues that are very, very tightly wrapped around their tribes. And so it's easy to misstep in this actual space. And so in terms of this notion of the idea of trying to be a company that comes out and professes its values, what do you think companies should be doing? Give us a call. Is Starbucks doing the right thing? Two things. One in terms of being a company that sets forth these are our values and then being able to live with those values and implement and work with those values in a way that makes sense. That's number one. And then number two, should this be an economic argument? Should companies stay out of this, these issues about values, and simply just go about selling their coffee or simply just go about selling the chicken if you're, for example, Chick-fil-A? Uh, who was got caught up in this notion of getting involved in issues uh, of gay marriage. I was just in amazement, this idea that the CEO is going to shut down 8,000 of the stores. You gotta, there, there's a number that can be put on that, the cost of having to do this to engage in this, uh, in this uh, sensitivity and racial implicit bias training uh, for the employees. That's going to cost money. We actually have a clip, if I'm not mistaken, of the CEO with his apology. And I got to tell you now, ladies and gentlemen, it's very interesting in this day and age because one of the things that CEOs, CMOs, CFOs, these men and women in the C-suite have to be able to do, they used to be anonymous. You never saw them. And now, because these crises happen, they have to be ready to put on makeup and get in front of a camera and be able to talk about this. And I actually have in the studio, you can't see this, ladies and gentlemen, I have in the studio here a, a sorry button. I'll just hit it one time. I'm so sorry. You just got to carry around a sorry button 
because you got to be ready to apologize very quickly because social media is spreading and amplifying these crises so quickly. Let's listen to a clip of the exact apology that was made by the CEO of Starbucks. I want to begin by offering a personal apology to the two gentlemen who were arrested in our store. What happened and the way that incident escalated and the outcome was nothing but reprehensible. And I'm sorry. I want to apologize to the community in Philadelphia and to all my Starbucks partners. This is not who we are and it's not who we're going to be. We are going to learn from this and we will be better for it. Interesting. Let's jump to the phone lines. Robert from New Jersey, what would you think about that apology? You know, I think that it's something that CEOs don't normally do, mm-hmm. but the public expects for a CEO to immediately apologize. And so he did something that CEOs don't normally do. CEOs kind of just wait around to mm-hmm. see, well, what's going to happen next? How can we <laughs> fix this? How can we cover this up? Mm-hmm. So. This guy came straight out and said, you know what, hey, we screwed up. I truly apologize. We're going to make every effort to make this thing better. And that, I think, is probably the best thing that a CEO can do. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing that a CEO can say. You can't say anything better. Mm-hmm. You can't wait. You know, you really have to come out and really hit this right on the nail. And so I think my concern mm-hmm. is because of – because each Starbucks is independently owned and operated. Right. And you do uh. you do have minority owners. You have African American people that own a Starbucks. You mm-hmm. have Latinos that own a Starbucks. And so everyone's taking the hit because of this one owner yeah. who failed to properly manage his staff. Right. Who failed to properly train his staff. Everyone knows that race is a very sensitive topic and it's a very sensitive issue. Mm-hmm. And so because for for the most part, I'm African American too, and every time I walk into a Starbucks, I see mainly white patrons. Mm. And so I think that as a manager, I would make it my business ah. to make sure that my employees understand the sensitivity right. of race issues. And and of course, when I think about Denny's and, and, and the hit that they took. Yes. Of course, I was I was too young to think about, well, what about the African-American Denny's owners? I was too young to really think that deep into the situation. Mm-hmm. But although there are Denny's that are still open, I don't think the company as a whole was able to fully recover. I don't think that they are where they want to be mm. financially as, mm-hmm. as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still sustaining because guess what? They've branded themselves into who they are, mm-hmm. and so there are still customers and patrons that want a Denny's in their community because, guess what? African Americans won't go, but we <laughs> want them here. Interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. Thanks for the call, Robert from New Jersey. I really appreciate the call. I think you touch on some very interesting aspects, which is this notion of, you know, what is the level of responsibility for those individuals who are leaders, managers in terms of, you know, what they set as expectations appropriately in their individually owned and operated stores. And you make a great point, Robert, this idea that 
you know, we should be if you're in if you are at a Starbucks that is lots of lots of just of one type of customer coming in, then that ought to raise a red flag to say, hey, I ought to be a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more aware, if you will, about what might be going on in that Starbucks. And so I think it's an interesting kind of aspect. I, with the way that I looked at it, I had a, a total agreement with you, Robert, in the sense that I, I felt like what an unbelievable response when I contrast this response from Starbucks to the response from United when an, a passenger was basically pulled off the plane, beaten and bloodied, and then management spent the first couple of days sort of blaming the guy and sort of not really following the principles of best practice for brand crisis management that we talked about last time. Steve Wansing, who was here from uh, Braithwaite Communications, validate concerns, show action, control the narrative. And you have to do those three things and I think Starbucks did a fantastic job. What do you think? Are you going to stop going to Starbucks? I'm going to ask my producers, uh, my, my sound engineer and my producer, about because I think they are sort of very much uh, Starbucks uh, customers. Wh- what are you guys' thoughts? Are you, are you guys going to stop going there? What, what are your thoughts on what's been going on in the last couple of days? Super interesting. I, that Starbucks is not far from me. Ah. So I have been there. Mm-hmm. Would you call yourself a Starbucks consumer? Yes, yeah. I know. It's like it's one of those things that's embarrassing to say these days because <laughs> <laughs> of the corporate man. Good but co- yeah, <laughs> I'm not supporting my local uh, coffee shops. Interesting. I guess. But Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. It, it definitely it makes you pause. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I thought that the um, the CEO's apology was um, at least sounded sincere, mm-hmm. and he hit all the key points that you always yeah. teach on this show. Yeah. What I found interesting I wanted to ask you about is um, he did mention um, that a lot of people were calling for him to take action against the employee. Yes. And he opted not to do he, that, and he was vocal about that. Yes. What do you think about about that part of it? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I from time to time am um, accused of being a bleeding heart liberal. I I believe that, you know, people make mistakes and you, you got to give them yeah. a chance, you know. So I can kind of see that. Pull them off maybe, put them in somewhere else, give them to, get, get them the help that they need so they can understand what they may have done that was wrong and then go from there. What about you, Tatiana? What are your thoughts? Um, I personally don't plan on stop going to Starbucks. Oh. but um, So are you stopping or? No, I just, right now I feel like it's a really sensitive time and mm. I, I still feel like a little way about it, but I don't think a few months from now I'm just never going to go to Starbucks and get like my caramel macchiato. <laughs> yeah. You oh. know what I mean? And like uh-huh. the caller said, it's not all of Starbucks. It was the one manager. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. You're not ready. I, I think it's a great point that is being made by my uh, sound engineer, uh, Tatiana Zamis, and my uh, producer, Michelle Stucker. That, that it really, you got, got, pause. Everybody take a breath. All right, we're in this polarized world where we're just going to, it's so fast, it's so easy to quickly hate each other. Let's calm down, let's relax, let's get some facts, let's breathe, let's see where we can learn. Yeah, I might start, you know, this might turn into a kumbaya moment. I but love it. I know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean let's just love each other. Let's, let's, not, let's not pull the daggers out. Let's not take the gloves off right away. Uh, because I think that, you know, we got to give some time to the brand. Give the guy, give, give Starbucks a break. I mean, you can't control every single thing that happens across 8,000 stores. But if you're willing to actually shut down those stores and take the time to actually think about where this may be an issue and how we can head this off and do something about it, I think you're doing something that is uh, absolutely quite uh, fantastic. So kudos to uh, Starbucks. I'm not a, a consumer of Starbucks, but I got to say, you got an A plus in terms of how you've handled this uh, situation. Well, that's it for our show today. 
Uh-oh. Oh, you want me to start rapping? Wait a minute. I don't have a new rap now, so just hold on just a second. Uh, thank you, listeners, for joining the show. We will definitely see you next week as I bop my head on out of here on Sirius XM Marketing Matters Channel 111. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.